0: The size of the backpack has been illuminated. We've seen light and going off all over of the sky. you live from the guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern north carolina i am your host and the Commandante of the mossy oak militia coming back on the air once more for another propaganda broadcast of freedom and liberty i am nc scout and it is very very good to be back with you yeah uh, <laughs> here in ice station g uh It is a frigid morning, got a lot of ice on the ground, got a lot of snow on the ground here in Central North Carolina, and, uh, you know, made a little bit of a mess here and there, power's still on, so, you know, for right now, of course, generators are fueled up and and ready to rock and roll, because if the grid goes down, well, it kind of goes down, you know, if if it goes down, it goes down, we're good, all right, we're good, but I hope everybody else out there is staying safe. And, uh, everybody is staying off the roads and, and all that and enjoying a, a day of at being at home and, and chilling and, you know, doing whatever it is that you're going to do, uh, but not going out there playing bumper cars and doing all that crap, you know, cause listen to me, Karen, just cause you got four wheel drive in that Tahoe, doesn't mean, you need to be getting out there doing donuts. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And we all know, we all know that lady. uh, And it ain't just ladies, it's guys too. It's guys too. But it is a lot of ladies, I'm just saying. It's just ladies. uh, You know, y'all always have your initials in the back window written in cursive, and you stick figure family and whatever, and you're driving your Tahoe, and you get out there and you decide you're going to do donuts or whatever in the snow. You got to go out and get your peppermint latte. And uh, you end up in a ditch. So it, it just is what it is. Just because you got four-wheel drive don't mean you need to be driving. It means you need to stay home. It, it doesn't do nothing for you when you're on ice. Personal experience. Uh, four-wheel drive doesn't really do a whole lot for you on ice. So, uh, you know, took, took uh, the range truck out that I call the war criminal. Took it out yesterday afternoon. Uh, I was driving around, just doing a little area survey, looking at at the roads and everything. And even I was, I don't want to say having a hard time, but it was, uh, it. the roads were dicey. They were dicier than I wanted to deal with yesterday afternoon. And it was still coming down. The stuff was still coming down. Um, you know, we had uh, here... We had about four inches of snow, and that was packed down with another, I'd say, probably inch of sleet or so. So it's packed down real well. And uh, that, that's really kind of the worst combination that we get in this part of North Carolina. Um, really, the, the worst option of it all is if we get straight ice. Uh, cause that is when the power is, you know, definitely going out that that's when you're going to have trees down all over the place and I got to be running my chainsaw a little more than I like. But, uh, anyway, you know, I, I was taking, uh, I was taking the, the war criminal out, which is a Ford super duty, uh, with six O diesel. And, uh, you know, I got, got uh, MTs under it and every mud tires under it and everything. And um you know, have it rigged up to go pretty much anywhere that I need for it to go. and you know, this thing don't get stuck, you know, it don't it doesn't get stuck, but still, uh, I was sliding a little bit here and there, but I mean, I checked on all the neighbors. everybody was good in this uh, area around here, made sure uh, all the old people that live around me had heat. And they had some some uh, stuff to eat and whatnot, you know, in case the power went out and made sure, you know, doubled down on making sure they were squared away. Just in case, just in case, because, you know, you, you got to take care of your neighbors. You know, you got to definitely got to take care of your neighbors. And, uh, you know, they, they they definitely have helped me out. Over the years too, you know, and, and that's one of the big cornerstones of community building that I think a lot of people miss out there because we get so wrapped up in guns and gear and, uh, you know, all this stuff, right? All the stuff. We want to have all the things and we want to live in our own little enclave and we completely forget what's going on, you know, a half mile away. At, at the next farm over, at the next house over, right? We, we don't, we're not really concerned with those. And, you know, and, and that's, that's a problem. That's a real problem. You know, if, if you're talking about uh, exerting uh, influence over an area, you know, or even defending an area because that's exerting influence as well. If, if you're defending a place, that means you have to have some sort of uh, reason to be out there. You know, and and a populace is not really going to tolerate you for long. They're going to look at you as an annoyance. So, I mean, they, they have to have a reason to get behind you. <clears throat> you know, so take care of your neighbors. You know, in, in times of duress, times of severe weather, whatever it is, you know, holidays, definitely get out there and take care of those people around you. All right. Um. So coming off of one week down in Florida, a little over a week, actually, it was uh, eight days down in Florida teaching an RTO, Advanced RTO, Signals Intelligence Course, so, Radio, Telephone Operators Course, all about communications, setting up communications in an austere environment. And man, what a class, what a class, hosted by... Angry American. That's right. The author of the the Going Home series. You know those books really don't need any introduction. Uh, we are gonna have him on this podcast soon, real real soon. We are. I, I've been meaning to have him on for a while now, and he's been trying to get on too. And the challenge that we've had has been. Uh, the scheduling, scheduling is has been a nightmare uh, for both of us because we just get pulled in so many directions at once. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. I got a lot of irons in the fire, and um, you know, it, it. But it is going to happen. It's going to happen uh, soon. Either later this week. Next week, we're definitely going to make it happen, though, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a mountain of things to talk about. But we had uh, those classes going on down in Florida, down at his place. He was hosting it and had a full house, completely full house. Wow. All I can say is what a class. What a class. And a uh, lot of good work happening down there, whole lot of good stuff happening down there. Got a lot of folks squared away, and and guys were already squared away, you know, but when you, when you take somebody, and I get this question a lot, people, they look at it, they look at the classes and stuff, they're like, you know, the classes look really good, but, you know, I'm already a ham, and I, you know, I've already, uh, meaning you get an amateur radio license, and I, you know, I don't really know, I I spend all this money on AR-15s and ammo, and then you know, paying for, uh, this tactical class, that tactical. what do I need a radio class for? Let me tell you something. What I was the feedback I was giving, I'm just telling you this, you know, I got a lot of people that there's a lot of RTO courses that are on the calendar. A lot of them are just about full now, and this is a year out, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you why you need this class. Why you need to get in there is because it creates the relevance I had one guy who he was in class. He's going to remain nameless, but I'm going to give him a shout out. He knows who he is out there. And I know you'll be listening to this brother. Child prodigy was on a bunch of TV shows when he was a kid, you know, and and ends up he he's in class. He's, you know, ham, got all, you know, got all the equipment, super, super smart dude, really sharp guy, you know, and he was kind of on the fence too, man. He, he shot me a couple of emails like, well, you know, money's a little tight right now, whatever. But I'm still coming out to class. And, uh, and he did. And on the first day, the end of the first day, he's like, wow, you, you put all these things together, especially HF. Uh, because HF is a high frequency communications, regional communications, global communications. That's a very abstract concept. And we put it together and I have a way that I teach it that creates that relevance for you out there. So if, if you're wondering why, if you're wondering why you need all this stuff, if you're wondering why you need to uh, come out to a class, that's your one reason right there. Your second reason is, is you had people from all over Florida, all walks of life, literally all walks of life that were coming to class. And all of a sudden, they're coalescing into something great. You've got people who are coming together, who are meeting one another, who it's completely offline, completely off-grid. Hey, you know, I it the whole thing was off-grid, folks. The whole thing. I When I'm ready to go teach a class, I'm teaching that class, whether it's off-grid, on-grid, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to teach it. And I am off-grid for that entire time. You know, people talk about going dark, falling off, you know, and 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 you know, staying off the grid for a while. Hey, that that's what we did. That's what we did. And I'm going to tell you, those people who were in that class who had never met one another but live in the same geographic region. You want to talk about building community networks, building uh, small groups, small teams of capable people? There you go. That's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. You know, so, and and I get, again, I get a mountain of emails every day of people asking me these questions and I keep telling you the same answers and hey, some people are going to bite on it, some people are not. If you do, you do. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't and you never will, but this is how you do it. Okay, this is how you do it. You know, and uh, driving into Florida, I got cracked up because uh, taking the back roads into this uh, part of the Florida Panhandle where we were uh, just on the other side of the Georgia state line. I got cracked up because it's all the back roads, you know, it's, it's real snaky back there, and pine trees, and you know, this is pine jungle and it's real thick. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, you, you cross the state line into Florida and you wouldn't even know it. You know, you wouldn't even know it if there wasn't a giant sign that says welcome to Florida and underneath it, almost as big a sign saying uh, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis under it. I thought I, I got cracked up when I passed that. I st- <laughs> ah, there you go. Right there, you know, Florida, state of Florida, trolling you uh, even as even as you're coming in with the, with the state sign, with the welcome to the state sign. You know, and you cross back into Georgia, and they don't even have anything. They just got a little, little tiny sign that says, welcome to Georgia. It's got a peach on it, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, maybe maybe Georgia, maybe one day Georgia will have that level of pride that, uh, that Florida's got. You know, they pound that chest. You know, here, here you go. So we'll see, we'll see about it. Uh, but anyway, while I was while I was out all last week, there was a whole bunch of news, a whole lot of stuff that came down the pipe, and uh, stuff that you know I didn't really, I didn't get to cover. We talked about it a little bit in class because, you know, it was kind of relevant to the class and some stuff that we're going to talk about. So right off the top, uh, this story came out about Robin Sage, you know. Oh, and, and uh, as I was going home and I was kind of getting caught up on some of the alternative media podcasts or whatever while I was driving in the truck, I was listening to it and, uh, man, you know, alternative media. And I'm not naming any names because I'm part of it too, you know, but man, guys, y'all, y'all have got to stop some of this shit. Uh, seriously, Robin Sage. All right. Robin Sage is not, it, it was on Drudge. It, you know, I had a picture on Drudge, of, uh, some role players of the 240 Bravo or something like that. Somebody showed it to me in class and was like, Oh, hell, Oh my God. Um, Robin Sage, for those of you who don't know, because it's made its rounds, Alex Jones and everything, right? Robin Sage is the final exercise of the Special Forces Qualification Course. So it's a simulated war uh, between the fictional United Provinces of Atlantica and the Republic of Pineland. And so the scenario is, is that, uh, UPA invades Pineland and takes it over and they install a dictator and, you know, the, the, uh, Pinelanders have to form a resistance to it and eventually overthrow the unlawful government, right? And so the special forces candidates are dropped in and they're given a set of scenarios that are leading up to the overthrow of this government. So um, it's a, a very comprehensive exercise that encompasses everything that the candidates learned during the Q course. And they are training guerrillas to overthrow an unlawful and unjust government. Okay, it, it, it's so with the alternative media that jumped on this, some of the stuff they were saying was really funny to me. Um, I'm sure, oh, you know, it, it's it's written for alarmism because that's how they make their money. But, you know, I, I thought that that was really funny because if they wanted to spin it, they could very easily spin it. they could have the same story and spin it as uh, U.S. Special Forces training guerrillas to overthrow unlawful government. It's the same story. It'd be the same story. And that would sound a little more favorable, would it not? Uh, so, so I, I don't know. I got cracked up at that when I heard a lot of the, the uh, quote-unquote alternative media folks out there. Um, as I was riding home in the truck, I was listening to a lot of them. And I got cracked up by that because they, they all got it wrong. If they had done uh, even a, a cursory search on this, they would know that Robin Sage is held many times a year. Uh, It's not a new thing. It's been around for a really long time. Um, And the whole reason that the the media, the mainstream media here in North Carolina puts out announcements is that they are legally obligated to do so. Uh, Tragically, many years back, they had uh, two candidates get shot. By a sheriff's deputy. Sheriff's deputy did his job. He he. um, There was no criminal wrongdoing there. The two candidates were unaware that he was not a role player. He was unaware that they were SF candidates, and um, pulled them over, conducted a traffic stop. They weren't playing along with it because you know they 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 didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on, and it ended up tragically uh, coming to a very tragic end. Uh, So they put that announcement out out there because a lot of the exercises happen, uh, not necessarily in public, but, you know, close enough, right? It's close enough to where people might hear things. They'll call 911, or they'll call news stations, right? A couple of years ago, um, they were down in, in uh, downtown Raleigh. There was an old hotel down there that they were they were using for some stuff. It was uh, under renovation, and they were using it as a target. And there was a bunch of liberals from central Raleigh that, that were, you know, bitching and moaning about it. You know, they threw grenades in there, or whatever. I mean, come on, you know, but... Uh, it, it was pretty interesting to me and, and entertaining, but that's why I put that announcement out there, you know, so um, it's a legal obligation thing. It's it's not anything that people need to get worked up about. Now, I know the the people that's got their tinfoil hats wrapped a little too tight or whatever. They just don't really understand. They're going to latch on to those stories no matter what. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, right after I would got out of the Army, there was an exercise that uh, uh, a PSYOPs unit was doing somewhere. I think it was in Michigan. And uh, they were using local civilian populace. In the exercise, because in Robin Sage, you've got civilians in that exercise, too. Uh, you got a lot of them. And there's a lot of role players that are all local that that are in it, both as the guerrillas that are being trained and as uh, the op four as well. So uh, anyway, but. You know the the psyops unit was doing it, and, and it was making its rounds, and, and uh, you know all over social media and some of the dissident websites, and and there was this lady that uh, she's she has to be a crazy cat lady, you know trailer probably smells like cat piss, and uh, you know she's talking about how this was unlawful and all this stuff, and there was just no, there was no talking this person off the ledge. You know, and and I know those people exist out there, but for the rest of you out there who are not nut jobs, understand that you know this this is there's a lot of things to be concerned about in the world. There's a lot of things to be concerned about in the United States. We're gonna be talking about some of them in this episode, but that ain't one of them. Okay, that ain't one of them. Robin Sage going on ain't one of them. Back when they were talking about Jade Helm, that ain't one of them either. Okay, people jumped on that and uh, the usual suspects jumped on it and made it into something that it was not. And you got to know, too, that sometimes things get leaked out to the public just to see where they go. And they're completely made up like QAnon. Um, And that's it. You know, and just want to know, just want to see where it goes. Just want to see where it goes from there. Uh, so don't latch on to the stuff that just sounds ridiculous uh, because it is a little bit on the crazy side. Okay. So anyway, quick shout out to the show sponsors talking about the SFQ course and Robin Sage and all that good work that is done over there. Uh, Mike Blackburn and Paul Lefevre, Blacksmith Publishing, had them on episode 97. They are instructors in the U.S. Army Special Forces uh, Small Unit Tactics course inside of the Q course. They help out with Robin Sage, too. These dudes are awesome. I had them on episode 97. Go back and listen to that interview. And they run Blacksmith Publishing. They co-authored the book... On Small Unit Tactics for the U.S. Army Special Forces. You owe it to yourself to have that. They got a mountain of other great books as well. Blacksmith Publishing. Check out the link. Click on it. Head on over to Amazon. Get that bookshelf maxed out. Tactical Wisdom. Joe Dolio. Three volumes now. Three volumes. He's been burning the midnight oil. Getting those books cranked out. Definitely support him. Definitely support him. His books are outstanding. I'm going to tell you right now, I had uh, several people in the last Florida class who were down there who had picked up all three copies of his books uh, and blown away, blown away by the quality uh, that was there, including Angry American. He had some high praise to say as well. You know, so definitely, definitely pick that up. All common sense based material there. All common sense based material. There's no, you know, you need a a three thousand dollar radio and a tricked out uh, AR-15 that costs seven grand. None of this crap, right? None of this. Let's wear flannel and and be awesome, cool guy operators, right? None of that stuff. Common sense, common man level education, right there, and and civil defense manual. Jack Lawson's two volume set. On getting you ready for the coming festivities. Co-authored by a bunch of subject matter experts. Myself included. I wrote the communications chapter in it. Again, common man. Bargain basement level technology there. That you probably already have in your working environment. I'm a big proponent of common off the shelf equipment. And employing it properly. Versus buying ridiculously high-end equipment, and you don't know what to do with it, right? And and nobody knows how to set it up, and then guess what? You still don't have communications capability, right? This whole chapter that I wrote is just basic level knowledge. You don't need to be an electrical engineer. You don't really need to know anything before going into it, and I think uh, it dovetails the material that I teach in the RTO course, an advanced RTO course, extremely well. Uh, because that was for whom I wrote it, uh, and, and for all of you out there. you know. So definitely get both those volumes. I think that they are uh, very well worth the money, and you need this in your life because there's, there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming. I think if, if you look at uh, any of the shelves in your local grocery store, just go down there. If you want to talk about Culture Shock, that's Culture Shock right there. Okay, that's culture shock right there. When you see, you know, when, when uh, I was on my way home from Florida, I stopped in uh, to a Dollar General and, and their freezers, their freezers, right? I was just getting a little bit of cold medicine because I got a little congestion and, and whatever from being down there. Um, Their freezers were empty, completely empty. And I asked the lady working there. I said, hey, you know, y- y'all y'all got a problem with your freezers, or you just you're not getting nothing in? She goes, We're not getting anything in. And I said, You mean like even local milk and cheese and stuff? Because a lot of the dairy products uh, are are contracted when it it comes to uh, chain places like that, as well as uh, grocery stores. And I said, You know, hey, uh, you know, you you're so even the local products she now can't get them. Wow! Uh, wow! And this was in the heart of Georgia. Uh, this was in the heart of Georgia. No, we we can't get them. There's a lot of stuff we can't get. You know, you got you got uh you know your your soft drink products. Most of them were sold out. You had a few things that were left. Can't get those, right? A lot of the shelves are are becoming bare, and it's it's not just the shipping of products, but it's the packaging of products too. So. A lot of problems, a lot of problems are on the horizon. And and the thing is, I was talking with a friend about this uh, yesterday, and we were discussing, you know, like kind of analogs to this scenario in the past. And we were talking about, uh, you know, like maybe the gas rationing that happened in, in uh, the very late 1970s. Um, you know, but but I don't even know if that's a perfect analog to what we're seeing right now. or And we're seeing the beginning of it. Okay, we're seeing the beginning of this. This isn't, this ain't, by no means is this the end. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that the gas rationing, it, there was a political problem. And there was a political solution, too. And everybody knew it. Like, that, that was commonly acknowledged, that Jimmy Carter had ticked off OPEC, and they were withholding fuel, and, and that was just kind of the 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 long and short of it right well with this th- this is the the supply chain crunch we see now is is so multi-layered and so multifaceted that i'm not really sure that there's gonna be an immediate solution to this um there might not even be a solution to this after the midterms and and i don't, I don't i'm not so sure that there's gonna be because there's so many layers to this that you have to break down and uh, it encompasses a lot of stuff. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not an expert on logistics. So, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but I do know when I see the, the shelves that people are accustomed to seeing is, as being full and, and stuff is always there, that normalcy bias, that is gone. And I do know when you're talking about revolutions and angry people who we already have a lot of, when you're talking about that, And, you know, you you start to to put things together. Hungry people are angry people, okay? Hungry people are angry people. Hungry people are scared people. Hungry people are motivated people. And the supply chain and, and, you know, that, that illusion of normalcy was really the last straw out there that was keeping a lot of people from saying, okay, we're done being abused. We're done with this. We're we you know, we're done with the mandates. We're done with with being locked out of society. We're done with you shutting businesses down. We're done with the mismanagement. We're done with the debt. We're done with the illegal wars. We're done with all of this. But at least at least the shelves still have food on it, right? And now you ain't got that. Now you don't even have that. So it's a fact it's repeatable over time. You know, as somebody with a background in sociology, uh, I'm telling you, um, they can't seem to get a handle on this because there are no adults in DC. Uh, I don't really care who, who, whether you call yourself a Republican or a Democrat, there ain't no adults in DC. There's just kleptocracy. Uh, that's all there is. And it is very, very evident Um, you know, even, even you little, little lefty snowflakes out there that talk about, you know, your Bernie Sanders and your AOC and whatever, um, they're bought and paid for, hate to break it to you. They're bought and paid for politicians. You see who they're working for. Okay. You see who they are working for. And the answer is quite literally in all cases, freedom, freedom is the answer. Freedom is the answer. Liberty is the answer. The liberalization of our markets. Of, uh, you know, getting the products back out there and a return to localism uh, that that's that's a big thing is is the return to localism return to local growers, local markets, keeping your money circulating in in the local sense. And even, you know, maybe even getting, getting the, uh, getting the money necessarily out of it, but kind of reverting back to a barter economy when you can do it. And I think that's coming, you know, and, and that's kind of a, uh, you know, a uh, uh, throwing a line to some of the labor theory of value guys out there, you know, who don't believe in a monetary theory of value. And Hey, you know, that's, uh, I don't necessarily agree in all cases, but you know, hey, there, there is a case to be made for it. Uh, there is a case to be made for it. You know, so check out your local farmers markets, and and see what they've got going on. Springtime's around the corner, you know. Springtime's around the corner. Here we are. We're we're in mid January, but springtime's around the corner. You know, we'll have a few snowstorms and ice storms till then, but mid to late March, that's when things will start blooming again. Those farmers markets will start uh, opening back up. You get, to, you get to smell the, uh, the awesome smell of fresh baked bread and good vegetables and stuff that's grown locally, right? And, you know, people are smiling and happy. It, it's a good time, right? And I look forward to that. Uh, but anyway, news stories. So getting into uh, our news stuff here. Uh, the color revolution in Kazakhstan fell on its face. As I uh, predicted to the folks who were in class, uh, we were talking about Kazakhstan. Of course, uh, Kazakhstan, uh, former Soviet Republic, maintains very, very close ties with Russia. And uh, the Russian paratroopers came in. The VDV dropped in and put a squash to that real quick And there's been some people in the alternative media and uh, social media and whatnot who were kind of scratching their heads like, holy hell, how did that get put down so fast? Because it it looked like, because the Western media was cheerleading this on, it looked like, man, that, you know, there was uh, just mass discontent. And that was the illusion, because that's always the illusion of a color revolution. Right. That's always the illusion of a color revolution is that you have this mass popular discontent, this mass popular uprising. It is a a style of revolution and it is designed to function very quickly. Uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski wrote about it. Uh, of course, Mika Brzezinski of MSNBC. That's what that was her father. And uh, he was a foreign policy guy for Jimmy Carter. And, um, you know, he he wrote the playbook for color revolutions. Of course, he took quite a few pages from Herbert Marcuse uh, of the Frankfurt School. And it is a way to overthrow regimes that are not favorable to the United States. And it uses quite a bit of sociology. Uh, to do so in, so, in uh, social psychology. We saw this play out all over the Arab Spring. That, that's why they were doing the same things. And then all the way up to Ukraine with Euromaidan. Uh, and we saw it again with Kazakhstan. So NATO and Russia reached an impasse uh, on the talks over Ukraine because things are hot and heavy. And so it looks like NATO and Ukraine... Uh, or NATO and, and the United States rather started some trouble in Russia's backyard in Kazakhstan. And that is quite honestly what happened. If, if you look at things, if you look at the timeline of this, it, it sprang up really quickly. And Kazakhstan was already a place that had a lot of discontent with the elected government. Um, you know, so the, the tender bundle, if, if you will, was there. It was set. But the problem is, is that whoever set this thing off, and you got to know, too, that there's no such thing as a coincidence. Um, Whoever set this thing off failed to account for the fact that Russia was going to have none of it. And they also failed to account for the fact that the era of color revolutions based on social media is over. Okay, so there was a piece that came out of UNS, um, UNS.com. Whatever you, you think of UNS, UNS Review, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it, it needs no introduction. It is an interesting site, though, for some counter-current narrative stuff. And uh, they, they wrote a piece over there. It was authored by, you know, uh, obviously a pseudonym, Pepe Escobar. And it was talking about the era of, cult, of color revolutions is over. I somewhat disagree i would say that the era of color revolutions based around social media is over uh and let me be very very specific on this so in the arab spring we got that going first by using facebook in tunisia in Egypt, and somewhat in Libya, we were using Facebook. And when I say we, I mean Western intelligence, the intelligence agencies. We were using Facebook to, to create artificial uh, mass collective consciousness. And there's, there are um, patents for this, by the way, for this strategy Uh, you know, one of them I talked about in in the last Sons of Liberty episode, uh, I brought it up, but, um, anyway, the, one of the patents, uh, us two zero zero seven zero one five six eight one four a one, uh, method and or system for providing and or analyzing influence strategies. That was one of the means by which we were creating and fomenting artificial discontent in these nations, and and we sought to overthrow them. And we were using Facebook for that first. A lot of fake accounts. Uh, the whole idea of flash mobs, and you know, it it made it seem like it appealed to. Uh, younger generation, it made it seem like there was this massive popular discontent and this massive uprising that was going to happen. And it worked in those countries. It worked and getting into Libya, it, it worked quite well. But the problem is, is that we had no answer for it after the fact. And I contend, of course, that, that there was not going to be any answer, uh, after the fact that we were just there to exploit the resources that, uh, that we had, I, I can say that Tunisia was the test bed to see if it worked, that Egypt was, uh, we, we knew that Hosni Mubarak was already, uh, and th- this is coming out of conversations that I had behind the scenes as these things were going on uh, with, with people who worked in the intelligence community, so I know um, for anybody who's a detractor out there, I'm, I'm telling you straight from the horse's mouth, Hosni Mubarak, who was the, the president of Egypt at the time was old and frail and the likelihood that he was going to be overthrown. He, I mean, he was on borrowed time as it was that he was going to be overthrown by somebody not favorable to the United States was high. So we went on and, and did it ourselves. You know, it's kind of like chemotherapy, you know, you, you, you don't want to do it and it's toxic to everybody, but you just go on and do it because it's better than the alternative. Right. So that's what we did. And uh, of course, you know, the, the rest is history there because we have to keep the Sinai Peninsula and the Suez Canal secure. Right. We have to keep that secure. And so that's exactly what we did. Libya, BP, of course, needed Libya. They need the resources there because you can't have Muammar Gaddafi asking for fair trading. We can't have that. Okay, we can't have that. So we've got to overthrow that guy because that's exactly what he did. And then finally, Syria, because we went in and made a complete mess out of Iraq. I know I was there twice And um, now all of a sudden, you know, you've got Syria who has a pipeline running into Europe. Well, they're Russia friendly and we can't have that. So we tried to overthrow the place. And by that point, we were using Twitter. Twitter was what we were using there. Uh, And Twitter was the primary culprit for our activities in Ukraine as well. And you can go back and look at the Euromaidan protests. This is all accessible and indexable by Google, by the way. So if you use Google to, uh, and Google analytics to look back at the timeline around 2016, 2017, the traffic that was happening on Twitter with hashtag Euromaidan or, uh, Ukraine and, and, um, Twitter makes it very easy because of the hashtags that that's computer language for anybody who didn't know what that was. Um, you use that and, and that is a linking key so that it it can more easily uh, search engines and AI can more easily paint a broader picture of the overall influence. That's why they do that. okay that, that's exactly why they do that. And so that is what was happening. We tried it again in Kazakhstan oops, Uh, and we were using Twitter. Well, the problem with that is, the problem with that is, when you are doing that, you are allowing a lot of different people to access this stuff. And it's not just Western intelligence agencies that can search these things. It's all the other intelligence agencies as well as private individuals also. And so in Kazakhstan, what they did was, They cut off the Internet access immediately, and that's why you do that. Because you cut off oxygen to a fire, right? They cut off the oxygen to the fire. They cut off the Internet access. Then they went in and they sifted through, and and it was uh, Russian intelligence that was doing this. They went in and they sifted through the artificial accounts that were coming from uh, U.S. or Western proxies. They cut all those out because they realized, you know, th- those were, were, were fruitless endeavors. But what they did look for was everybody who was affiliated with those accounts. So everyone now who liked a post by one of those proxies or uh, shared one of those posts by one of those proxies who were just influence agents now become targets of interest. And so they have, uh, I think the last estimate was 3,100 or something. 3,100, 3,200, something like that, people that they rounded up as uh, uh, dissident actors that they rounded up and and, uh, have in Kazakhstan, those all came from social media, okay, those all came from people who, you know, maybe they did go out and throw a Molotov or whatever, and they're legitimate, you know, bad actors, But most of those people who were rounded up were social media people uh, who were sharing stuff. And all of a sudden, because it's not hard to track somebody down. Okay, It's it's really, really not hard to do that when you have the resources of a first world nation state uh, who has dumped more money than we have in internet analytics and intelligence operations over the internet and, and all that good stuff, all right? So that's exactly what they did, and that's why they shut it down. That's why that color revolution was shut down quick, fast, and in a hurry. And, um, you know, hey, all I can say to that is, is I've been telling you. Uh, I've been telling you, for you folks who, who are out there, you get on social media, you really think you're doing something, Right. You, you like and share or maybe you're the type, oh, I just I, I, I just read what s- certain people post. Uh, I don't have an account myself. I just look at it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, there you go. That's exactly what's happening. There's a reason that it's called influence operations. Right. It, it, there's patents for this stuff. I discussed one of them, but there are many more. OK, so do your homework on this stuff. Get off social media. If, if you're talking about organic movements back in the, the 80s and early 90s, color revolutions were a lot harder to break down because you actually had to do the legwork. You know, you counterintelligence agents, your domestic security agents in, in the former Soviet states, the Stasi, right, the uh, the uh, protectorate. Um, you know, the, uh, of, of Romania, the Stasi of East Germany, right? Um, uh, the security in, in Romania, rather not, not the protected, but the security that that was their domestic security, uh, infrastructure. These guys had to actually do legwork. They had, they, they had to do detective work on the ground is, is that that's very time consuming. And by the time that happens, you've already got the Berlin wall coming down. Or you've already got dudes running around in the streets of PM 90s shooting up your you know your, your police stations and torching them and everything. You, you don't have time. The latency is there. But if it's all social media, well, then the work's already done for you, right? The work is already done for you. And they wised up to it. The Russians wised up to it in Syria. This I've been telling you consistently over the years, if you are at all concerned about the direction of things here in the United States... And you are politically active, you need to get the hell off social media right now. Like most haste, okay? You you need to maybe monitor it in one way or another. And there's secure ways to do that. But if you think that you're sitting there in your, your private group, quote unquote, and you're really going to do something, I'm telling you, no, I'm telling you, it's uh, there, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And it relies on local community networks, people in your area, okay? Not this national whatever, because this the the other story that I want to talk about. It's a good segue into it. The other story that I want to talk about, obviously, the big news that was coming in at the end of class uh, last week. This uh, story about Stuart Rhodes uh, getting rolled up on. Uh, Seditious conspiracy charges. And uh fairly interesting here because it was alleged um early on, you know, Darren Beatty over at revolver.news doing doing a lot of really good work. Uh it was alleged early on that Stuart Rhodes was um you know kind of a bad actor. And agent provocateurs inside of, uh, you know, the, the Oath Keepers and what have you. And, like, look, um, people, have, people have thrown a lot of uh, crap at the Oath Keepers. And it's become kind of a uh, pariah to the left, too. They, they like to rally around things that, that they don't understand. Um, and they accuse the Oath Keepers of doing, you know, all the things that Antifa, John Brown, Gun Club... Um, you know Huey P. Newton and and all those groups are, are in fact doing, and they have their allies in the mainstream media that help them out with that. Uh, Rhodes is, is kind of a checkered character, um. But but what I will say is is that you know he he is also a very intelligent guy. I mean he's got a law degree from Yale, uh, which is you know very significant. And, um, he, he is a very intelligent guy, but an organization is always the sum of its people. And, you know, you, you look at the, the, the local level interaction and, you know, I've, I've warned people against uh quote unquote national top down level organization for a long time now. And, and, and there's a lot of people who just can't seem to wrap their mind around that fact, but you know, Hey, I've fought insurgencies, I know quite a bit about insurgencies. I have studied them both professionally and academically. Um, I, again, fought against them and, uh, you know, at least in one case, aided in uh, a very small part in aiding and fomenting one. So I know a little bit about it. Okay, I know a little bit about it. And... You know when when your house is flooding, you know your pipes burst. You call a plumber, right? Because he's a professional. When when your lights don't come on, you call an electrician. When it comes to insurgencies, you call somebody who knows what they're doing, right? Not uh, not not just any commenter out there on a blog. Like I don't I don't care about those people. Okay, And of course that that doesn't really need any any further interjection. But point is behind all that you know roads, whatever you think of the oath keepers doesn't really matter. Um, you know when you have top down level organization like that, you are going to get a you know agents provocateur, that's a given. You, you're gonna have those, okay you're gonna have guys who are just flat out snitches. You're gonna have those guys who are just really bad actors. They don't work for anybody, and that—that's the hard thing for a lot of people to understand—is that they don't actually work for anybody specific. They're just bad actors. Um, You—you you, know—you—you're just going to have that, okay? But when you look at organizations like the IRA or uh, Sinn Fein, which was the the political arm of the IRA, they operated at the most local level and worked their way up, and you had actual and and still do you have actual uh bona fides that you have to establish within the organization from the most local level working their way up and always did you know so it and and shocker they didn't have social media wow what what a thing right what a thing so anyway um point is though the, the deeper point here, I've got the story from CNBC, of course, you know, Stuart Rhodes, Seditious Conspiracy, Department of Justice. I mean, you know, we, we never see uh, the leaders of, of BLM or Redneck Revolt or Antifa. And there, there is a leadership cadre element to this, by the way. It absolutely is. We never see them rolled up on seditious conspiracy. We never see the ringleaders of uh, the Kavanaugh protests, which broke into the Capitol building and, and actually chased. I do recall they chased Senator Ted Cruz into an elevator. Uh, and that happened on live TV. We never see that. Uh, we never see that person rolled up. Uh, but we will see it on the right. It's very, very interesting. Very interesting that we have a, a dual system of justice that is right there, uh, right there in your face. But uh, anyway, this story that is coming from uh, Lauren Finer at CNBC News. Federal investigators say that they used encrypted signal messages to charge Oath Keeper's leader. Uh, key points, federal investigators say access to encrypted signal messages is, Helped them charge the leader of the Oath Keepers, an extremist far-right militia group, uh, and other defendants in a seditious plot on 6 January, 2021. Encryption, uh, next point, encryption scrambles messages for recipients so that no one else, not even the platform itself, can read them. It's not clear how investigators gained access to the message, but... Encryption has been a point of tension between law enforcement and tech industry for years. Okay, well, Ms. Finer, your article, I hope you were paid well for this because you you got a lot wrong here. Uh, First of all, when gaining access to a message, it doesn't necessarily matter whether it's encrypted or not. And the implication here, this is a scare tactic. Uh, I doubt that she wrote this article on her own. I would say that probably somebody in the federal apparatus actually wrote it and she, she just edited it, uh, to make sure that everything was grammatically correct. But, uh, because they want to conceal sources and methods here. And that's exactly what they did. Um, they, uh, gaining access implies the worst because humans like to think in negatives, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what happened. And I think in this case, it, that is, it, it, that is not what happened here um i've covered this in the past i did a couple of podcasts on it i think they're back in the archives um which you can you know you can access the archives starting in episode 95 all the way back to episode one uh, for as little as a dollar a month by the way so shameless plug uh for uh what we do here on radio contra but um the uh, gaining access to encrypted signal messages because big tech, uh, the, the marriage of big tech and big government together has been really trying to get rid of encryption uh, and the the technology behind encryption and personal security for a long time now, which is really ironic because the far left has been at the forefront of developing these technologies. And there's a lot of them that I talked about on Lessons from the Farm the uh, Podbean patron-only series, which you can access for as little as $5 a month. Um, I have one episode where I talk about this, specifically how to do it, and how to do it very, very securely, the pros and cons of some of the more uh, common apps that are out there, and how to get those off-grid so there's no record that you actually have those, and how to install them on your own personal devices. But... Um, It looks like to me, and and I've talked about this in the past, there's posts up on AmericanPartisan.org that Rhodes got screenshotted. You know, from what I had already disclosed uh, of my own looking into this is that he was part of a group message, which is a giant, giant red flag no-no. You should never, ever do that. Leadership is not linear it is uh top down and bottom up right that is how leadership works it is a chain not not linear right we're not we're not co-leaders i'm in charge you're not in charge right you do what i say so you always have one person at the top communicating with the next person down that's the way that it works and that's why um Insurgent networks overseas were typically very difficult when you get into the higher echelons. They were very difficult to intercept because this is how they would communicate, okay? There was not linear group text messaging and all this bullshit, right? But that was exactly what they were doing here because they didn't know what they didn't know. And, uh, you know, Rhodes, even though he he's, seems like he's, he's a pretty smart guy, at least on paper, from uh, you know, having a law degree from Yale, you know, it, at the same time he he's got some some people who are half as smart as they think they are uh, underneath him, and and that has been my personal experience as well with these types. But um, you know, going on here though, uh, encrypted messages or encrypted encryption can't talk encryption scrambles messages for recipients. So that no one else, not even the platform itself, can read them. Uh, You know, this is a scare tactic. This this is written so that uh, a a very certain audience will read this and be reactionary and say, Oh, we have to pass a law and get rid of encryption so that that domestic groups won't be able to use it. Uh, Conveniently forgetting the fact that that their far leftist base uh, is also doing the same thing and developing the same thing. And usually is at the forefront. I mean, it's just a fact. They're at the forefront of developing these technologies. And, and again, a lot of them out there. I do a deep dive on this stuff, um, you know, and, and it, it's it's all out there. Okay, I do a deep dive on this stuff on Lessons from the Farm and, and talk about how to get yourself secure. But uh, then this last point here, it's not clear how investigators gained access to the messages but encryption has been a point of tension between law enforcement and the tech industry for years. Exactly what I just told you. Um, it's not clear how they gained access yet yeah, is uh, they had a confidential informant. That's the way that it works. His name is Ray Epps. Okay. That that was just one. I'm sure there were several others. We know um, from the... Uh, from the Bundy Ranch, that there were C.I.s crawling all over the place. The whole reason that the you know, and Bundy and that whole crowd didn't get rolled up is because um, you know most of the brainchild behind the uh, the Maller Wildlife Refuge siege uh, that occurred there, the the occupation of it and the siege of it was all done on part of confidential informants working for different federal agencies. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a who's who of federal law enforcement agencies that were working in there. And that was exactly how it happened. Um, you know, so uh, go back and look at the facts. You know, I hate to be the guy that, that's pointing out the obvious, but if, if you're going to go and do stupid things and you've got that person back there who's cheerleading you on, that person who's cheerleading you on is probably not your friend. He's probably there to build a case. Or more than likely, more than likely, he's there because somebody's built a case on him. And now he's trying to talk you into doing something bad to get the heat off him. That's the way that it works. Um, it, it, this seems to be a really difficult thing for uh, a lot of... Well, we'll be nice to say older folks who who get into the the political activities arena, uh, the activism arena, this seems to be a really hard thing for them to understand uh, for various reasons. It's like, look, folks, um, you know, you got to know that when you're challenging the power structure, the power structure is going to do everything in its power to maintain itself. Okay, you don't swing at the king. It's just the way that it works. And if you're going to do it, you better do it right. There's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. The right way to do it is to forget about what's going on at the national level. Okay? Does that mean, does that mean, and I know some of you are going to listen to that and be like, what? Okay. Does that mean that you sit back, you throw your hands up, and you say, well, We're not going to win. So what? No. No, not at all. It means, just like I talked about at the beginning of the episode, going out, braving an ice storm, bad road conditions to go check on my neighbors, right? Many of whom are a little older, elderly. Got some young neighbors, too, right? Why did I do that? Because I've got a local network. Because I've got local people that I care a lot more about. Okay. Why is it that I talk so much about doing classes in regional areas and having people come together? Because that's the next layer up in the regional networking capabilities. Because you got to sit and focus on what's happening in your local area before you worry about the things that are happening at the top. All right. The whole 6th January DC thing. That stunk from high heaven at the very beginning. And I know a lot of people that, you know, they've reached out to me. They went to it and whatever. I get it. I get it. You have a right to be angry. I'm not saying you don't. Okay. I am. That's why I dedicate so much time to everything that I do. But there's a smart way to do it. And then there's that way. Okay. There's a smart way to do this. Then there's that way. It takes time. It takes tactical patience. I've been saying that for years. I've been saying it for years. If you want to build something lasting, if you want to build something that has a lasting effort, a lasting mark, you got to know that this is not something that's going to be won overnight. You're damn sure it ain't going to be something that's won by uh, talking to people out there that you don't know. And all of a sudden, trusting levels of organization to them uh, and trusting decision making authority to them. And you don't know who they're working for. I mean, it that's something you, you really need to be cognizant of Just sit back and think, because at this point, I'll, I'll tell you, folks, that insurgencies follow a pyramid model. I've talked about this in the past. If you look up the insurgency pyramid and I strongly urge you to do so. Look up the 1966 version of it. Uh, the modern version is is okay. It'll give you a good idea, but the 1966 one was better. Look that up. Uh, go, and, go and look that up and look at the activities of the underground and ask yourself, what are you doing today? What are you doing today along the lines of that checklist uh, that is satisfying the conditions that are there? You know, it's a serious thing to think about. Serious thing to think about. Anyhow, I'm going to be talking about this a lot more. Lessons from the farm as little as $5 a month. Um, If you click on the little red icon, if you're listening to this on the Podbean app, click on the little red icon. Now, you do need the Podbean app to access these episodes. Okay, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Alexa or any of the other places where uh, this podcast is listened, come over to Podbean and you can index these episodes over there. But on the Podbean app, there's a little red icon, click on that, and that's going to take you to the page where you can register Uh, for as little as $5 a month. You can get those lessons on Tradecraft. I'm going to have a few more episodes going up Uh, this week. I'm going to be working on it uh, because I had uh, all last week that I spent down in Florida teaching. And I'm going to be cranking out a lot of content, a lot of content to get you trained, because I know not everybody can make it out to class. Not everybody can necessarily justify the time off. But hey, five bucks. Five bucks a month, you can absolutely justify that. And, you know, the interrogation resistance series, being a gray man in urban environments, communications. We're going to be doing a lot with two way radio communications here coming up as well. So, um, you know, stay tuned for all of that. Brushbeater.org slash training calendar, brushbeater.org slash training calendar. The course dates are up those that are up are set in stone those are the class dates that we're going to be having if there is something on there that you like come on out strongly encourage you to come on out and train you're going to get a training experience like none other i promise i promise it is going to be the best training experience that you've ever had whether you've been to literally every class trainer whoever out there or this is your brand new foray into taking responsibility, taking action, and uh, really grabbing the bull by the horns and getting some quality training, you're going to have an experience that you are going to genuinely enjoy. I promise. I promise. Um, of course, AmericanPartisan.org, daily content news news. And all sorts of great stuff that you can use and abuse in your daily life. Ranging from politics to survival and everything in between AmericanPartisan.org. Folks, it's been great to be with you back on the air for yet another episode. I got a whole lot of content that I'm going to be putting out. Including some really hard hitting interviews over the next couple of weeks. I am really looking forward to getting put out there. So, folks, go out. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. God bless all of you. And I will talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout out.